Welcome everyone. I'm Sue Barber, author, former IT director for a Fortune 500 company, turn executive coach, and this is the Visibility Factor podcast, where we explore how to raise your visibility and play bigger at work and in life. We'll explore key topics and welcome guests that help you shift your thinking about yourself so you can see new possibilities for your leadership. I'm on a mission to create a visibility movement for leaders to show their value and be seen for their true talent. Are you ready to take the next step towards a higher level of visibility for yourself? Let's go. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Visibility Factor podcast. This is your host Sue Barber. I wanted to do a solo episode today to go back to some of the things that we've been talking to in previous episodes around imposter syndrome. There are two more imposter syndrome types to go through, and so we're going to do the first one today, and then the next episode you will see the final sixth imposter syndrome type show up. The Visibility Factor book had a lot of different conversations around imposter syndrome and I've said before that this is the chapter that most people really resonate with uh, because it's impacting so many people in so many ways. So when we talk about this one it's called delayer and avoider and it's about procrastination. And I don't know if you are a procrastinator or if you put things off or delay them because they're hard. But if that's you, this is going to be a great episode to really help you understand how to move past it. The word procrastination means the act of delaying or postponing something. And with this type of imposter syndrome, more than any other type, people will use any means possible to stop themselves from doing something that makes them feel vulnerable to judgment or criticism. This is something I've definitely caught myself doing when I want to avoid something hard or that I really don't want to do. And sometimes my go-to is to watch a show on Netflix. I have the best of intentions to only watch one episode, but hours later, I may be into the second season before I realize it, and I can't seem to stop. When this happens, it's called putting oneself to sleep or numbing. And that's about avoiding whatever it is you need to do. So if you find yourself, much like me, watching Netflix for too much time, just realize that you're doing that because you're trying to avoid something that you need to do. This can happen at work too. You may sit down to talk to someone about a situation and then before you realize it, an hour or two are gone and you've not gotten your work done. Social media is obviously another culprit that steals your time and sucks you in so you don't get anything done that you need to get accomplished. Avoidance is a pattern of behavior that is used to delay action. But I'm hoping now that you know that, you can be aware of it and really stop yourself from doing something that takes you away from something too long. It's important to understand and look below the surface so you can address the root cause of what's really delaying whatever it is you need to take action on. I thought it might be helpful to share a bit of a client example from the book for you. And hopefully you'll see some things in here that might resonate for you. Uh, it happens to a lot of people, a lot of clients that I have. And I thought it was a good example of something that Aaron, who is my client, was struggling with. So Aaron always found a way to delay the work he didn't want to do. Although for as long as he could remember, he still managed to get things done at the last minute. He would tell people that he worked well under pressure as if it was a badge of accomplishment. Though he always finished his work by the deadline, he often wondered what he could create if he took the time to spread the work over a longer time frame instead. Was this a habit or something else? As Aaron started to look at his tendency to avoid and delay, he realized that it happened in more places in his life than he thought. He put off decisions, delayed making connections with people, and avoided focusing on his goals. He was busy, but was he busy in the right areas? 
Well, this is definitely my story too. I, I wore that little badge of accomplishment too. I thought it was a great thing that I could pull off miracles and get things done at the last minute. These started with me, you know, back in high school where I would be cramming for tests the night before or writing a paper in college at the last minute, leaving for an appointment at just the right time to pull up exactly on time instead of early. I don't know if any of these sound familiar to you, but they definitely have their positives and negatives, right? Because sometimes you can pull off those miracles, like I mentioned, but other times it may hurt you. It may be a perception that people have of you that you're not willing to put quality time in and get things done. I try to plan a lot more now, but there are times where I still have to pull things off at the last minute. So let's talk about some examples of where this may happen for you. Presentations that you have to write that you know are going to be very involved and are going to take some time. The best thing to do is to actually start them on time because as you write it, you start to get more ideas As you walk away from it for a little bit, you'll come back to it and look at it with a fresh pair of eyes, and the presentation will actually come together in a better way for you if you do that. Status reports. Many people avoid status reports like the plague. They hate to do them, but I find them to be really helpful to recommend to people to do because it not only helps you remember the things that you're doing, it helps get you some visibility in front of other people. Expense reports were definitely my nemesis. I hated to to do them. I hated to find all the receipts. So I did put those off to the last minute. But I also had bigger things like, much like Aaron, I avoided conversations with people that I needed to meet with. People who may not know me that well, I was, you know, fearful of meeting with them and what I was going to say to them. I made up all of these stories about what I was going to say and how they were going to perceive me and all of those things were completely unnecessary. I realized after I had gone through some of those scenarios and some of those are uh, also stories in the book where I had to meet with someone to get basically their alignment to move forward on a project. And I was so worried about it that I basically came in at the very last minute to that meeting instead of getting there on time. And all that did was make everybody look at me when I walked in the last person in the room and I had to sit in front of this person that I was concerned about meeting with. And she was so wonderful. I was so unsure of what was happening because I expected her to show up differently. And she was just wonderful. And so I think sometimes it's good to understand why we're creating these stories, why we're procrastinating on things and hiding away in the back when we should really be getting out in front of people and just having a conversation. So most of the time when I've done these things, it works out for me, which is good and bad. Um, I get mad at myself for not leaving extra time for things like traffic or weather when I have an appointment. It happened to me this week. I, although I thought I left early enough, I ran into construction on the way to a client and got there basically on time instead of a few minutes early. And I hate to make people wait for me. I really do feel bad when I'm late. And it isn't that I want to be late. I just want to be right on time. I have some amazing friends who are so organized and they actually leave ahead of time to get to places, which is just not usually (laughs) what I think about. I think, oh, I've got 10 more minutes. I can load the dishwasher or I can take the dog out really fast. For whatever reason, I'm wired to just leave on time. And I guess I'm hoping that you'll learn from me that that may not be the best option. Getting there early is a better approach. Packing early for a trip. Uh, Many people pack early. My husband is one of them. He'll pack two to three days early. And for me, I don't know, there's something about the excitement of going on a trip and packing at that time. 
And even when I write my blog, sometimes I would love to do it early, but I will write it that morning or the night before. I think it's something about the inspiration of it, something about what's happening in the world right now that I want to talk about or with a client, something that's happened with them. So for me, there's part of it that's like the fulfillment and the excitement that I think causes me to do things more at the last minute than others. So why does procrastination happen to people in the first place? It's the fear of saying the wrong thing, putting yourself out there in a bigger way, maybe judgment from others, making a mistake, avoiding criticism. So people will wait as long as possible until you absolutely have to do it, which has impacts to quality, as I mentioned, and then possibly beating yourself up for not doing it earlier or doing it in a better way. The other option, though, is to do nothing, which has its own ramifications. No one knows what you're doing. They create stories that you may not be ready for the next step, or worse, that you don't belong in the organization. So obviously, those are really bad ramifications to have, and it's important that you think about those outcomes when you decide to do nothing. The most common imposter trait of overachievers is avoidance. Elizabeth Gilbert, who is an author, says the perfectionism stops people from completing their work, yes, but it often stops people from beginning their work, which is worse. Perfectionists often decide in advance that the end product is never going to be satisfactory, so they don't bother trying to be creative in the first place. This quote impacted me so much because it really helped me to understand that I was slowing down and waiting until the last minute because I was trying to avoid criticism. I was trying to maybe understand what the steps were going to be to do this. And if I didn't know, I was trying to just wait until the last minute until I absolutely had to do it. And so if that's something that happens for you, try to look at whether it's your perfectionism or if it's something else that's holding you back. But just taking a first step, taking that first action will start to get you there. Delaying and avoidance will temporarily help you avoid judgment, criticism, or failure. It may keep you safe, but it's not going to ultimately help you get what you want. Aaron struggled with stopping this pattern so he could be more visible as a leader in the ways that he wanted to be. I wanted to share with you a brief excerpt of a coaching session I had with him on visibility about a situation he was really trying to move forward on. He needed to talk to people that he needed to influence, and he wasn't really sure what was holding him back from doing that. So we had a coaching session on that. Aaron was in the room with me and he ran his hands through his hair nervously and said, I'm not sure what stops me from the work I need to do. For example, I want to connect with more people, but I'm afraid that I will say the wrong thing so I never meet with them. I replied, have you had conversations where you have said the wrong thing? He laughed and said, no, I guess I haven't. I wondered if he was feeling insecure. Are these people intimidating to you in some way? He got up and began to pace the room as he said, they do have a lot of influence and their opinion about me is important to my career. Do you feel as if you need to have the perfect conversation, I asked? He looked away when he responded, that may be true. I worry that I will ruin my credibility with these connections if I don't do well, and then I won't have another chance. I asked, do you think that they expect you to have a perfect conversation with them? No, they don't, he replied. I continued, is it true that you wouldn't have another chance if you did happen to say something that wasn't perfect? He stopped pacing and stood behind his chair. No, I would clarify the mistake with them if I made one. 
I asked the next question. What do you think they do expect? Aaron, Aaron responded, they want to meet with me and have a good conversation. Would you be able to do that without feeling the pressure you felt earlier? Aaron sat back down and looked visibly relieved as he thought about it for a minute and said, yes, I was more worried about the outcome and what they would think of me than how enjoyable a conversation with them could be. If I never meet with them, then they won't know who I am. So this is a great example. I definitely experienced something similar to Aaron as well. I was really very focused on, I have one shot with these people. And if I screw it up, I'm in trouble. I'm never going to get to meet with them. They'll never know who I am. So I really loved and wanted to share this with the listeners because I think it's something that happens to a lot of people. They feel like they just have to get it right the first time or they'll never get another chance. We're all human beings. We get to have a conversation with whoever we want to and no one is better than anyone else. If I focus on that, then it takes the pressure off of me, and I hope that could be something that would be helpful for you. Just think of yourself as a human being having a conversation with someone, talk about what's happening in their lives, how they got to where they got to, what was their experience like, what are the things that challenge them, what are the things that they love. Having those kinds of conversations just takes the pressure off, and just think of it like a neighbor or a friend that you're talking to. We put so much pressure on ourselves that we really just struggle then to even have the initial conversation. And then when we get in there, we worry the whole entire time about every word we're saying, which doesn't make us show up in the best confident way. I always just try to think about, I'm excited to meet them. I'm excited to have a conversation with them. I wonder where the conversation will go. If you can take that fear and pressure and turn it into excitement, you will have a different conversation, I promise. Brene Brown said, you can't do anything brave if you are wearing the straitjacket of what will people think. The fear of failure or judgment can overpower you. And it definitely held Aaron back from connecting with other people. It was my story as well. I'm hoping that you are going to learn from Aaron and I and be able to do something different for yourself. Aaron and I talked about the types of situations where he might avoid his visibility action plan that he was building or other deliverables that he had in his day job. Without moving forward, he isn't going to be able to be visible and he isn't going to get his things done that his boss is looking for. So we talked about ways that he could really be prepared for that. There are four examples here I wanted to go through with you. The first, you have your plan and you know what to do. So what I advised him to do and think about is take just the first step to accomplish at least one action on your plan. That first step is going to spur you into further action and you'll want to keep up the momentum. Identify a deadline and have someone hold you accountable. So even just thinking about uh, when I was training for running a half marathon, there were days I definitely did not want to do a 10 mile run. But I thought if I just get up, get my clothes on and go start running, I will keep going because I've already started to take that action. It works the same way here. Think about what you're avoiding is number two. What does the avoidance cost you? Will you miss out on a promotion, an opportunity to lead a team, or a chance to learn a new skill? For example, if you've already been given feedback to shift your behavior, then what will happen if you don't address it? Being aware of what the costs are of avoidance are very important. So think about those when you're making those decisions, whether you're going to try something or to avoid it altogether. Number three is people who use distractions as avoidance do it for a reason. Taking action helps you move forward. Set a timer to work on an activity for 
even 30 minutes. Shut everything else off and focus for that half hour. Doing this regularly will allow you to make headway on your actions and short sprints. There's no need to feel overwhelmed. Try to understand where that avoidance is coming from and use this approach as a way to move past it, to get stuff done. We used to use this when we were writing the books. A lot of people came together to write at the same time. We would write for 25 minutes, take five minutes as a break. Write another 25 minutes, take five minutes as a break. And then we were done for the day. So we got a lot done by doing that approach. So think about something that you have that may be bigger, that you don't want to spend a ton of time on, but you need to make some forward progress on. Use this type of approach for that. And the last thing is just a a cool TED Talk that I watched about procrastination, and I thought it might be helpful for you. It sums up how procrastinators think and why they do what they do. I definitely saw myself in so many of the examples that he shared. He says that everyone procrastinates on something in their lives, and I do believe that is definitely true for me, and I've seen it in many of my clients. I'm wondering if it's true for you too. The name of the TED Talk is called Inside the Mind of a Master Procrastinator by Tim Urban. I'll include the link. It's only about 14 minutes, but it's definitely worth watching. The only other thought I had to share with you is around using something to create a rewards-based system for yourself. You don't always have to have something that costs money. It can be something that's, you know, just something like I'll do this and then I'll go take a walk or I'll do this and then I'll, you know, go meet with a friend or something and have a coffee. One of the great examples I think of is when people are losing weight, they'll buy a pair of jeans that's a size smaller. And then when they lose the 10 pounds, they're so excited because those jeans fit now. That's a reward, right? So think about something that would really make you happy, that would give you joy and create that reward system for yourself so that you get stuff done. You actually accomplish your goals. So I wanted to share with you a rise and shine visibility tip. There are a couple things that I have used and have seen others used to help them really conquer their procrastination. The goal again is to move forward, get things done, because we want you to be able to focus on your visibility, whether that's meeting with someone else or sharing information, you need to be able to do something in order to make that happen. So there's a ton of different methods, hacks, and techniques. If you Googled it, I'm sure you'd find a list of things that people have tried. I'm gonna share just a couple examples with you that are very simple to use, uh, because to me, if it's not simple, I won't do it, and I don't know if that's true for you, but this is about changing habits. And sometimes that needs to be simple in order for it to be effective. So the first one is called the two minute rule. The second is called the five second rule. Pick what works for you and try them out. I would love to hear from you and see how they worked. And if you were able to make a difference in terms of getting things done for yourself. There are two parts to the two minute rule. So the first part is look at everything that you have to do. Is there anything that you could actually cross off your list and get done that only takes two minutes? I have a ton of these things on my list, honestly. And I think about it all the time. What if I just did it and got it done instead of putting it on my list? I wouldn't even have to put it on my list. But there is something I know for a lot of people, they love to write things down, put it on your list and then cross it off. But if you just did that, just look at your to-do list and say, what are three or four things I could do in the next two minutes and get them done and just cross them off and then you don't have to worry about them. The second part of this two minute rule though is looking at habits. So when you start a new habit, you have to usually think about the things that you're trying to do and work it into the day that you have and maybe plan it on your calendar. This one's a little bit different. 
This is a habit where you say, what could I do in the next two minutes and really help me achieve my goal? So for example, if you're going to go to the gym and that's your goal is to work out more, your two-minute habit should be packing your gym bag. It's really easy to knock that out and then it's ready to go and then all you have to do is pick it up and go to the gym. So think about things that you can do in the next two minutes and cross it off your list. Those are the things that you can just execute and be done with. The second part is what kind of habits you can create that help you achieve your goal, such as packing your gym bag in advance. Next, we're going to move into the five-second rule. The five-second rule comes from a book called The Five-Second Rule by Mel Robbins. She was formerly on CNN as an anchor. She had her own talk show for quite a while. She has a great TED Talk, and she also has a podcast that you can listen to. Mel found herself struggling to get out of bed in the morning to get things done, and she woke up in the middle of the night one night and saw, I don't know if it was a video or a, a movie that it had a rocket launch, but in that in that show, it was counting down to five, four, three, two, one. And she thought, I wonder if I could apply that to me getting out of bed in the morning since it's so hard for me. And she did it the next morning and it worked. She wouldn't lay there any longer. She wouldn't procrastinate and not get up. She would do the five second countdown and then start her day. And then she took that example and then began to apply it in other areas of her life to build stronger habits and get things done. If you're going to get the book, I would strongly suggest the audiobook. She is the one narrating it, and it's just really great to hear the experiences that she had. She shares a ton of stories of her own life and her family's life where this really changed everything about how they showed up in the world. And she's now gone on to write other books and have other TED Talks, etc. So check her out. I will leave some of the links in the notes for you to, to listen to, but I really was impressed and uh, just happy to see that it's something so simple that you can apply to your day and be able to move forward and take action so you can create more visibility for yourself. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I really found this one to be something that resonates with a lot of people, and I'm hoping it gives you some ideas that you can take and really do something with to change how you eliminate procrastination in your day and move away from avoiding and delaying in your life. Look forward to talking to you on the next episode of The Visibility Factor. Thanks so much for listening to The Visibility Factor podcast. Remember that visibility starts with small steps that are intentional and consistent each day. Be bold, be visible, be the leader you were meant to be. Find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all of our social media platforms, which are highlighted in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Visibility Factor podcast.